all of the gifts of the Spirit in their city, getting to see the fame and deeds of Jesus spread throughout their empire. I like how uh, one author put it. He said, the secret to success, the success of the early believers in their culture lay first with their good news centered in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But their success also lay with their experienced life of the Spirit who made the work of Christ an effective reality in their lives, thus making them a radical alternative within their culture. So we see this combination, as we've been talking about, of word plus spirit. But I've been thinking this week at least, well, how did they get the gift? Scott talked about that with the kids. Well, how do you get a gift? How did they get it? How did they get this life-altering gift? Do you notice what Jesus said at the beginning of these instructions? Verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait. Jesus makes them wait. Why does he do that? Why wait? He's already been risen. He's, he's vindicated. He's overturned death. Death has died. They've got incredible news now. And he's told them, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And I imagine they're going, what does the upper room have to do with all of that? I wouldn't mind getting on to doing the work. Why are we still stuck up here in this room, which we know has no air conditioning, which is, is just, why? What does this have to do with that? Jesus makes them wait. And this is what God always does. This is what he always does with people. He leads people to the empty place, to the liminal in-between places, to the desert place where you're brought to stillness and emptiness and helplessness. It's first the desert, then the promised land. And this is what he's done with Israel and to Jesus. And now he's doing with these early disciples. So this fledgling band of Jesus followers are told, Wait. Be emptied of your activity. Be emptied of your, your, pres, your presumptuous uh, abilities that you hear the promise and you think, okay, yes, we can do that. Yes, we can. We'll, we'll do that. He's, no, you, you're going to go to the empty room to be emptied of your usefulness. And they're told to wait because Jesus calls the church to do that which is impossible without the Spirit because the church is born, sent, animated, energized by the Spirit. And because sailboats and lungs and weather systems and the eagles, this is the only reason why I'm wearing this ridiculous shirt, um, all of these things need wind. And the church needs wind, that needs the wind of the Spirit. Because y'all plus y'all isn't all that exciting. Years ago, our friends Ryan and Elizabeth uh, invited Amy and I to go uh, hike Mount Shiem. This is the view from my, uh, Mount Shiem. Fairly, uh, I think it'd probably be rated intermediate, but that's really relative, isn't it? <laughs> um, in, intermediate level hike, and they said, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to go to Mount Shiem. It's got a, a great view, which it does of the valley. And, and they said, we'll pick you up early. Meet at the Starbucks on uh, Sumas Road in Abbotsford. And we're, we're going to hit Mount Shiem. See you there at 7 a.m. 
great. Uh, my wife loves hiking. I tolerate it. And, uh, so, but I was there, 7 a.m., and got myself a venti blonde roast and was good to go. And so hit, hit the hill, and I remember, gee, these are a lot of switchbacks. And, and you know when you're in switchbacks, nothing's changing. You feel like, are we actually getting anywhere? Switchbacks over and over. And finally get to a, to a clearing past the tree line. And we're going, we're, it's a bit of a scramble at this one point. And I remember uh, scrambling on sometimes all four and, and standing up and going, I'm really dizzy. And I, I thought, I can't be this out of shape. And but I'm from Alberta, and the answer you throw at any problem is just more work. And so just try harder. So I kept doing that. And I, I kept thinking, I'm actually, I think I might fall over. And at one point, Liz said, are you doing okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, fine. And uh, doing great. And kept going. And I was, I remember like vertigo, just kind of, ooh. I mentioned I had a venti blonde roast. That was all that was in the tank. We finally got... Up to, up to the peak, and Ryan and Elizabeth, they each had backpacks, and they pull out this picnic they prepared. Soft cheeses, hard cheeses, carbohydrates of every kind, uh, wine, wine, yes, sparkling juice, and water, and fruit, and grapes cut in just the perfect three to four clusters. Uh, it, it was incredible. They prepared this picnic for us. I had not given any thought to food before, or during, or after the hike. And they just laid out this feast for us. It was, it was beautiful, seeing that view, eating that food. And you won't believe what happened. I got energy. I was bounding all over the place. I ate, suddenly I was up, a little rocky Balboa on the top of the, the peak... And I was bounding down the mountain. We were skiing on some, some uh, snow in our hiking boots and leaping off. And you may say, well, you're doing that because you're going down the mountain. I'd say, this is my story. Don't be cynical and don't point out facts. We were going down. But I also had food in my system. And here's a basic idea that everyone knows. You don't go hiking on a venti blonde roast. Don't expect to be bounding up a mountain without water and food in your body. And we know this. A human being empties and needs to be filled and needs resources outside of herself to be brought into herself in order to have movement. And we know this and we neglect this and we forget this. How much of my current fatigue is due to forgetting this obvious fact that I need something outside of myself to power me and bring movement. How much have I been editing the dreams inside me to fit what I know is possible given on my abilities? That I've only been saying yes to things that I know I can do. And how much of the reason that I, I feel like the gears of life are always grinding, that there's so little oil in the changes, because when it comes down to it, I really need this gift that Jesus is so eager to give. And I loved Scott's phrase from last week, this, this phrase of being functionally cessationist. 
and cessationist being uh, a commitment to, uh, I guess, a theological position that doesn't see the gifts of the Spirit being for today. You may, may say, that's not what I believe or that's not how I read the text, but if you were to look at my life, the way I approach a hike, the way I come into my every day is actually, I'm fairly functionally cessationist. I assume it's just, just me. And so we're going to look at this, this theme and this tension between uh, living according to the Spirit and living according to the flesh. I'd like to say a short prayer, and then we're going to go to Romans 8, 1 to 8. Pray for grace this morning, God, to first of all see you, see your greatness, your kindness made visible to us in Jesus, and your nearness brought to us by your spirit thank you that you desire not to just show us what's true but to confirm by your spirit what's true through your presence so we as much as we're able we want to be open to that ministry of your word and your spirit uh, here in our lives today we ask for grace in jesus name amen so romans 8 let's go there together page uh, 786 we're going to see a contrast is getting set up. Two ways to live. Paul sets up this, this contrast. Uh, his language is living katasarka. According to the flesh versus katanuma. According to the spirit. And we're going to see this, this uh, play out back and forth. And just, just a quick note. It's, uh, the word sarka or sarks is, is a tricky one to figure out at times what Paul is talking about. And we usually interpret this as flesh. And uh, I think it's important to note, uh, though Paul sometimes uses that to refer to uh, flesh, the body that's, that's not what's going on here and not going on most times when that word gets used in his letters. So sarks or sarka is not your body, the physical you, or, or even your humanity. Uh, flesh here is uh, humanity, not simply in its creatureliness, but in its fallen creatureliness, as being uh, full of hostility to God, full of resistance to God, full of autonomy, separateness, I got this, I don't need you, God. So for Paul, living katasarka means a life that's basically self-centered, autonomous, separate, on your own. It's defying the reality of God. So with that in mind, just as a little background, let's hear Romans 8 this morning. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Just pause there. I'm going to keep reading here a few larger chunks. And this is how the letter would have originally come to people, to to be read out and to hear it. So let's uh, continue just hearing uh, the word this morning. Verse 5, continuing on, those who live according to the flesh 
have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace, and the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Did you hear all of those contrasts, all of those ways to live according to the flesh versus living according to the Spirit? And he says, but you, we have an obligation here. Yes, there's always going to be a war and a struggle. We have an obligation not just to kind of go along with the old patterns, not to indulge in your sinful nature, but to live in accordance with the Spirit. Now, there's way more places that we could look at um, that Paul is working out this tension. Um, I'm going to just raise this one. We won't dive in uh, for time's sake, but one a uh, really fascinating passage is 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul's contrasting the wisdom of the age versus the wisdom of the Spirit. Another one is Galatians 3. I want to read this one to you, Galatians 3, 3. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? You hear him there, he's saying, are you so foolish? How, how, how could this happen? The, the work God started in your life, which is all by God's initiation, which you'd say, the reason I love is because God first loved me. Are you foolish to think that, that it's going to be completed in any other way? You, you, could, you could say, like, I have really great Reformation theology that says it's by Christ, I'm justified by Christ alone and faith alone. Grace alone. But my desire to kind of get on and over that by finishing the job in my own strength, strategy, and resources betrays my default theology, which is that it's actually up to me. The means will be mine. And he's saying this to a people who know the gospel. A couple years ago, 2015, my family was going to move into a new townhouse. Within our co-op, there's a a new townhouse that opened, and we're really excited to get into this new townhouse. And when we got in there, the kitchen was a disaster. Nobody had been living in this townhouse, I don't think, for at least a couple years. 
and the kitchen was absolutely overtaken by mice. It was like full cupboards converted into full mice condos. It was mouse gentrification before our eyes. They were just had moved in and taken over. I swear I saw one of them on a little fixed gear bike ride along the floor. This mouse gentrification gone wild, and, and it was just so bad. Had a great idea, and I thought, you know what? My neighbor, Dean, renovated his kitchen. It's the exact same floor plan. He did it with an Ikea, one of those Ikea things. You just type it in, you know, type it into the computer. You get a printer. How hard can this be? I'm going to just copy Dean's plan. We're going to gut this kitchen. We're going to completely reno this kitchen. We're going to tear down these mice condos. And... People ask me a number of times, have you ever done a kitchen rental before? Which really annoyed me. <laughs> I was getting annoyed by the frequency of the question. Why does that keep coming up? Can people smell my insecurity? Is there just like inexperience wafting off of me here? Why are people asking me that? And then I asked myself that question. Have you ever done a rental, Lance? And the answer was no. And the result of that was mounting stress. We had a tight timeline. And uh, as, as, I, uh, as Amy and I were looking at the timeline, I realized, I don't know if I can actually do this. And I remember we were driving out to a neighborhood group leader retreat. And I was just yakking to her about, like, I'm really worried about this reno. I think I bit off way more than I can chew. And she said, well, we should probably pray about it. Okay. That's a good idea. So we prayed about the reno and a need for help. And uh, I asked specifically for somebody to help me. We got to the retreat. I was sitting across the table on the second day having coffee with another neighborhood group leader named Ivan Van Spronson. And I was telling him about the reno. And he said, I want to help you. Uh, I said, that's great. You know, kind of people often will say that. And I thought, we'll see. After that weekend, he comes over townhouse, has a look at the place. Yeah, we can get rid of the mouse condos, no problem. He goes home. He emails me the next morning, 5.30 a.m. He's already been on the IKEA site. He's got it all laid out. And he's like, do you mind coming over? I've got a few questions. I go over. He's got about 15 questions here that we need to run through. He instantly is project manager. It was incredible. So Ivan joined the project, and along with Ivan came years, 30-plus years of renos, uh, wisdom, and seriously, way more tools than even fit in Home Depot. Every time he came over, he had his vehicle packed with tools. He thought, I, I brought a few more that I think we might, might be able to use. And then his giddiness when we actually did need those tools, he'd say, I've got a tool for that. And he'd run, and he'd get the tool, and he'd, he'd bring it out. He came, along with Ivan, came a, a, a level of optimism about completing the project that I did not have in myself, and all manner of tools. One of the, his favorite tools was uh, the man wrecker, which was just a grinder that had no guard on it. And he said, oh, this is awesome, the man wrecker. I said, you use that. That's cool. I'll just watch. And um, so for a month, a month plus... I experienced the empowering presence of Ivan, which he would hate if I was to say that in public, but I just did. Uh, he would hate that. But the ongoing choice for me was to, I could do the reno according to Lance, or I could do the reno according to Lance with Ivan. Ivan. 
Now imagine this. I've already invited Ivan into the project. I've welcomed him in. He has literally brought with him a bazillion tools and abilities. But every time he goes to work, I just kind of grab the tool, say, I got it from here, Ivan. Or he suggests that we order our workflow in a, a certain way. I say, that's great, no. Uh, or, or we're working on the plumbing, and I just keep commandeering things every time I override him, every time I shut him down. He's in the kitchen with me, but my actions betray my fundamental belief, and that is I'm working alone here, and it's ultimately up to me, and this is going to get done by my ingenuity. In Scripture, this is called quenching the Spirit. In Reno's, it's called quenching the Ivan. <laughs> but thankfully, I did not do the Reno according to Lance, but according to Ivan with Lance. There were days when I did the Renault separate from him, when he wasn't there, where I was on my own, left to my own resources. Those were darker days. <laughs> Way more mistakes. Any guess on my anxiety levels? Way higher. Any guess on ridiculous things going on in my head about still my, my need to prove to people through work that I have value? My desire to impress Ivan in a reno? Any guesses on that? Also very high. See, when you live according to the flesh, there are certain fruit. There's certain outcomes that come along with that kind of life. And when you live according to the Spirit, there's also fruit that come with that. This is what's outlined in Galatians 5. This contrast between the fruit of these two ways of living. What's the fruit like on your tree these days? That's a really telling way to, to realize not just the theology that I may espouse or the things that I say, but reveals to me where I'm actually living. Am I living according to the flesh or to the spirit? Last fall, I was in New York for a pastor's conference. And there was a lot of good things that happened in that conference. But probably the best thing for me was an encounter out of Ephesians 5. At this time, I was dreaming about artisan, we just kind of restarted again after a lot of uh, a lot of change. We just started gathering here. I was dreaming of not just simply starting a church, but seeing a church that's thriving and alive in the spirit. And I, I felt God, in a way, say, "That's wonderful, yes, but what about you, Lance?" I read these verses of Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see the connection between verse 18 and verse 19? Verse 18, don't be filled with wine, at least a debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, following bit, verse 19. 
speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. And this is what I heard. Lance, your thirst for creativity has everything to do with what you're filling yourself with. There are many ways to get yourself full, whether it's wine or something else. Be filled with the Spirit. And the the word there is continuously, in an ongoing way. Be filled with the Spirit and write better songs and poems and sermons. The dream of your life for for a, a creative outflow for you and for artisan has everything to do with what you're filling yourself with. If you want a different outflow, change the inflow. And so songs, poems, sermons, that may not be your thing. But the call may be, be filled with the Spirit and write better spreadsheets. Be filled with the Spirit and problem solve with more than your own wisdom. Be filled with the Spirit and parent with a kind of love and patience and respect that is more than you can generate. The call is to be spirit-empowered, not human-engineered. So as a nurse, what kind of decisions does the Spirit want to help you with this week? What kind of power will you need as you face the complexity of these coming shifts? And maybe you've either assumed it isn't available or applicable or even real. And so you've been coming into each shift as though it's up to you. And the fruit of that has been increasing anxiety. And as a result of that, you've been filling yourself with other things. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Or as a songwriter... And I'm not talking to those of you with albums out. I mean those of you who have journals full, moleskins packed with ideas, but fear is keeping them all bound up in that little notebook. God is calling you to release what he's given you, that those songs might not just be played for the walls in your bedroom, but for people who need them. Do you not need power over fear? Be filled with the Spirit. Earlier this week, I saw a notification that Leanna Clausen had put her website out into the world. And I celebrated that fact because that website represented not just hearing the promise of God being with her, but it also represented moving through fear, finding new vocation, moving through places of emptiness and helplessness and creating and then taking the risk of putting it out there. Oh man, how beautiful is that? Those of us facing decisions that we are just right now, we're jammed. We're in a gridlock. Cannot pick between this or that. Invitation is be filled with the Spirit. The great news is that those of us who feel empty are in the best place. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God the problem is never emptiness it's fullness it's the cap it's the nah I'm good do it on my own thanks it's autonomy separateness so those of us who are empty this morning who are in some version of an empty room in between space oh man Could you see it in a different light 
that you're actually in the best place. And so the question, how did they get the Spirit in Acts 1 came down to waiting. And I'd like to do a few moments of that together. Not to try and let's create the empty room in the Japanese hall, or if we do that, it's just a prescription. Maybe we'll hear a rushing wind come through. No, 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 no. But just taking this imperative to wait and to receive the Spirit so that we might receive the power of the Spirit so that we can do the impossible thing that God is calling and inviting us to do individually and collectively. And so what I'd like to do is just a non-hype way of waiting. So we're just going to wait, take time to empty out, to feel helplessness, and perhaps for some of us to say yes to the Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit afresh. So we'll wait also, thinking, how incredible is it to be in a room with people like this and have the opportunity for a room to pray for you? So while we're waiting, if there's somebody who wants to articulate a need, who says, this is what I'm facing, I need the power of the Spirit. We don't need a long testimony. We don't even need a lot of details. But if you would like to stand, I know this is risky, but if you'd like to stand and say, this is my need, I need help, I need the Spirit, then we will collectively pray with you. I'll ask somebody to pray, and we'll pray out loud. It doesn't have to be long. It'll be just short, and then, and then we can move on to somebody else. If you want to stand and say, this is my need. I need power in real time. We'll lean in with you to the promise of God and ask the Spirit to pour out on you in this situation. Okay, so let's take some moments to wait. If you would like to to be prayed for, just stand up and I'll come to you. But let's wait together. Let us know your name and uh, your need, and then we'll pray for you. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, thank you. Uh, I'm Jay Lindsay. Uh, what I'm praying for is Jacob's Well, a drop-in center, 239 Main Street. We have to move by this September. So if we could have a prayer for that, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I, work, I volunteer their work there. So if we could uh, pray for that. What's your name again? Jay who would like to pray for Jay? We'll, we'll collectively pray along with you. Focus on Jacob's well. Who will pray? Father God, thank you so much for the incredible work that Jacob's well has done in Vancouver and um, for the way that it, it loves this city and um, those who love you and who... Um, need you and your help and I thank you for the community that they've created and I ask God that nothing will stand in in their way to continue that community um, to continue the way in which they surround people and and how that family in the downtown east side <clears throat> carries people and helps move people forward and lift them up and I ask 
Father God, that um, we would all remember this week to continue praying for them and also to know in what practical ways we can help them out and keep our ears open and our eyes open for opportunities to um, help in this scenario. Thank you, God. Amen. I'm Vanya, and I need the power of healing um, for um, spiritual abuse in a former church community. Thank you, Vanya. Who would pray for Vanya? Father, we just thank you for... uh, bringing Vanya here and the fact that she hasn't given up on you. And we ask now that your spirit will speak to her heart and will expose the lies and uh, the practices that were false that have been put on her and help her to shed those. And God, that you'll call out to this whole community here too, to be able to speak into her in those areas that need healing. Um, So that she's not just relying on you and your spirit alone, but collectively the spirit that's in all of us. Father, just help us to replace those memories and replace uh, those events that had happened with fruitful and healing and love-giving and life-creating experiences here that uh, she might be able to go forward and help others too who have been through this. So Father, we just trust you. Hi, my name's Kim. Um, I need prayer for a close friend of mine who got diagnosed with melanoma in his brain, actually, recently. So, Okay, prayer for a close friend diagnosed with melanoma in the brain. Who would like to pray? Father, thank you for thank you that you are a healer who does good things, who does things that we don't know about, things that we can't even imagine, um, can't even imagine that you would be able to do these things, and yet you do them. And so, Holy Spirit, Father, would you would you give us faith for for things like this that you that you do these things all day, every day because you love us. You are so good, and may we, may we trust you, a God who does these things because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I've been finding myself lately kind of carrying other people's burdens a little bit, like family members, and then I start to feel really anxious, like it's my responsibility to do something, and and then it's really hard for me to just like 
accomplish regular daily things. And um, I've been feeling really called to try to spend more time on working on music. Um, But then it's like I'm putting in a lot of effort and accomplishing very little or not getting very far. So it's like there's this thing that I feel called to do, but I'm I'm spread so thin and feeling really anxious. Who will pray for Jocelyn? Yeah. Jocelyn, you're a burden bearer, and so the, that heaviness that you feel for those is is beautiful. But I'm going to pray for you that God will give you the strength to lay it at the foot of the cross and leave it there. So, Father, just pray for Jocelyn. I thank you for the gifting you've given her and her heart of intercession and burden-bearing. And I ask God that you would give her the strength through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to lay these things down at the foot of your altar, the foot of your cross, God, and trust you for her friends and her family. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will strengthen her spirit, God. I ask that you would... um, where she feels depleted right now, Jesus, I ask that you would fill her up um, so that she can do greater things in your name. And, and the music that's going to pour out of her, Lord, I ask that it will be inspired and anointed of you in Jesus' name. Hi. Uh, well, I'm Johnny. Um, I guess I need help at work. I... I mean, we all do, but uh, yeah, just been ongoing situations that I won't get into, a little bit of legal stuff. Um, Yeah, I just, I need more people. I need, yeah, I just constantly feel on the edge of burnout. I don't feel like I have enough time with my family. And yeah, I'm just at the end of my own efforts. Johnny needs more barbers in the barbershop, okay? Who will pray for that and lift that need? Lord, uh, we come on Sundays and uh, we, we think of this as the holy, the holy place. And... Um, we're reminded that in your scripture, you created all things, and all things are good. So what happens Monday through Saturday, uh, the places where we work, the places where we conduct most of our lives are also sacred places. So I pray for Johnny that his, uh, his place of business would become a, a place that's sacred. Uh, I'm reminded of a friend in my small group uh, last week who as we were struggling with some issues, reminded us that we have to remember that uh, uh, church is not a place, it is who we are, and that uh, uh, the whole world is, is our church. So I pray for Johnny that he would, um, he would be able to face those uh, challenges in his workplace, the, the lack of employees, uh, some of the other things that perhaps he's holding uh, only out to you. And Father, that you would, uh, you would lift him up, give him strength, Uh, remind him that in this world we will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. And so we uh, are encouraged that as believers we are overcomers. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Michael, pray for my legs. Pray for your legs? Yeah. yeah, who wants to pray for Donald's legs? Need prayer. Kara? Hey, God, we just lift up Donald to you now, Lord. Um, he is such an amazing part of our community, God. Um, and yeah, I just pray for his legs, Lord. I pray that you strengthen him and give him peace um, and continue to bring him into our community, God, every Sunday. In your name we pray. I want this to be normative for our community as we not only gather but talk on the sidewalk after a gathering as we are in cafes or pubs, or at neighborhood group, that we, we get, it becomes more and more normal where we can make needs visible, where, where we need the power of the Spirit, and then to be a community that gathers around and, and uh, prays, but also actively participates in one another's healing. Um, so we come to the table each week as a reminder that God fills the empty places, and uh, those who are hungry and are need, are full of need, are welcome to this table. So let's remind ourselves of the gospel together.